0: Jesus was with his disciples, first inviting them and then teaching them as he had the opportunity, and then depending on their learning, um, as according to the situation, they were able to pick up on some of who Jesus was. They were apprentices that would never be able to fully be exactly what the master was, but he called them in his direction and continues to call us today. The context of this setting today is important for us to know because Jesus, just prior to this event, had received word of his cousin John the baptizer's death. When that word reached him, he immediately got into a boat and it is... Most likely that he headed out into the sea with his disciples in order to make this escape from those that were crowding. Of course, you know that there were many, many people that were following Jesus, but at the hearing of John the baptizer's death, can't you imagine that his followers too turned to follow Jesus for lack of that leader that they so wanted. Jesus was inundated with people. And in fact, as the story continues, after his having heard and tried to get away and be uh, to himself, and yet being crowded with disciples and then coming to the shore, he was immediately... Aware that there were at least five thousand, if you were just counting the men there in the group, there were at least five thousand that were there in front of him, perhaps ten fifteen thousand, maybe even more. after having taught, he was asked by his disciples to do what was only sensible: send them away so that they can get supper before the evening is done. Jesus had another idea and instructed the disciples to have them to sit down where they were, and there in the sharing of the little bit that they had available, this wonderful feeding of the 5,000 began to take place. I can imagine that the distribution was interesting. Uh, The 12 baskets that perhaps were in the hands of each of the disciples were evidence enough as... They gathered in the crumbs that were left over, and each of the baskets was full to overflowing with the leftovers of that meal. Uh, You would think that that would have marked their lives particularly to know exactly whom they were following. And although they may have believed that Jesus was the Christ, there is no evidence in the next story that they had taken this to heart completely. Jesus. Truly wanted to be in prayer. And so he commanded his disciples to get into the boat and go. He was dismissing them. It's interesting that he did this before dismissing the crowd that was just behind him. You would think that he would have used the disciples to dismiss the crowd, but I think he was ready to be done with the disciples right at the moment. He had had as much discipling as he was going to give. And so his disciples obeyed that command, moved out into the sea, and Jesus turned to dismiss the crowds. As soon as he dismissed them, he took his opportunity to go up into the mountain and to spend time with his father in prayer. These disciples headed out Onto what we consider in our minds an ocean, but by Georgia standards, it was little more than a large lake. Thirteen miles in length and eight miles across. We call it the Sea of Galilee. And usually, I suppose, that the waters are calm enough for fishing. You know that a number of the disciples were very familiar with fishing. Peter and Andrew, James and John had grown up doing that very thing. And yet when they sailed out, they knew that there was trouble ahead because there was a wind that was very stiff and against them. And the oars that were placed into the water were making very little progress as they moved, hopefully, toward the other side. Things continued to get worse. Can you imagine them not being able to rest? And yet the distance that they were headed seemed further with each stroke stroke of the oar. As they pushed against this insurmountable problem, chaos began to overtake their lives. I'm sure there there was some kind of saying similar to ours that we know even today, even if we are not sailors, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Perhaps that morning, Peter and Andrew had been aware that there was a red sky and Jesus was sending them out into a place of great, great threat. Our chaos is their chaos and their chaos is our chaos. I know this because I read the connection cards that you fill out and put in the offering plates weekly and you are so gracious to share your heart many of the intercessions that you bring are things over which you were praying daily and i know that but occasionally there is someone who will share in an intercessory way really a prayer for themselves and their own fears Someone who may have lost a job or at least think that they may lose a job or someone who seems to be looking for a job that is so elusive that they are not able to find. Praying for family when things seem to be falling apart. Praying because of an illness that seems to be rising up to overtake you. Praying because of grief, either at the loss of, of someone so precious to you, or it just some great mistake that you've made? Praying for the world where it seems that every week, even every few days, there is another sign of a great disaster over which we weep. Our chaos is the disciples' chaos, and the disciples' chaos is ours. The thing that's most disturbing is that Jesus delays in coming to solve the situation. There are hours, not minutes, but hours that they are in the storm as they seek to simply make their path across this lake of Galilee. They are worried for their own welfare. They are worried. And they may have wished in their hearts, maybe even prayed aloud from their lips, that Jesus would come. And yet Jesus is not there. And with each stroke straining against the wind, the boat, this small vessel carrying 12 passengers, seems to be at the point of being flooded with the sea itself and it's dark, and everything they see does not promise them anything better. You know how it is at night, don't you? One of our daughters said to me recently, I think we've got rats. I said, I think you've got mice. And she said, you have not heard them at night. Everything is worse at night. Everything is worse at night. By the way, she actually did have rats. Bless her. Darkness and night produces its own worry, the noises, the thoughts that invade. There on the Sea of Galilee, they had no idea how deep it was. Today, we know because of the soundings of that lake that is 141 feet deep at its deepest point. It may be less than that on certain days when the sea dries up because of the sun that bakes it. But usually, it's about 141 feet deep. But there was no testing of that depth. In order to find out the depth of a sea of that size, You would have to send down a rope that was at least that long with a weighted object on the end in order to test when that object hit bottom and no one had ever been able to find bottom to the Sea of Galilee. For them, it was unfathomable how deep it was. It was this abyss. In fact, it was the tradition in Jesus's time for those who were alive to believe that there was a passageway to the place of the dead underneath. Can you imagine what it might have been like for the waters to have been disturbed and for you to be feeling like you might be in the sea soon yourself? They were terrified. It's interesting to me that we sang this song by Thomas Dorsey, not Tommy Dorsey, the big band leader, but another Thomas Dorsey. You need to know that Thomas Dorsey is a Georgian native. He moved to Atlanta and then his family early in the 20th century, and then his family moved to Chicago. Now he loved music from an early age, and he was making his way in blues. Uh, playing at speakeasies up in the Chicago area. When he was converted to Jesus Christ through a revival, he gave his life completely to the Lord, and it changed his music. In fact, he went from blues into gospel, and he began to write some songs himself, but mostly he led worship. And as he did, on many occasion, he had his heart fully into sharing with others what was his own worship of God. He received a telegram in the middle of a service. Don't ever do this to me. He received a telegram in the midst of a worship service, and it simply said, your wife has died. He was absolutely crushed. In fact, he could not think of anything else at that point And he exited the room and went to a telephone close by and called. And at the other end of the line at his home, there was someone that was simply crying and shouting, Nettie is dead. Nettie is dead. Nettie is dead. He got a friend to drive him home through the night. And when he arrived, he found the unthinkable That not only was his wife gone, but the son that she was to bear was gone as well. All of life ceased for him at that point, he said. As he reflected, he was angry with God for having allowed something like this to happen to him. He was beside himself in his chaos and in his fear, and in his anger. For days he wept. This poet of a man, finally given the grace that God had put within his heart, sometime later began to put on page some words that came to his mind, and this is what we sang particularly the gift of God, to look in a different way. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. Have you ever been there? Are you there now? What are you dealing with? When Jesus showed up, it was so dark for them, Not that they could not see visibly, but because they could not see anything that wasn't dark. This phantom afoot on the sea, this ghost, this apparition, could not have been Jesus. And when Jesus heard their screams, he had to assure them that surely it was him. He said, take heart. He knew he needed to say that because they were working in their brains, All the mechanics were shutting down. And he said, center yourselves. It is I, that's the way it's translated. But the implication is what Moses was hearing from the Lord when he said, who shall I say, send me? And you remember what God responded and said. He said, tell them I am that I am. Jesus said, I am, know that I am here. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. And perhaps this is the hardest thing to release because fear has claws. Fear has claws that hold on to us. Sue and I love to go to a restaurant here in town and to share a meal. And one precious waitress in this restaurant we have grown to have such a relationship with when we come into the restaurant and we sit down sue and i like to sit on the same side of the table instead of across from each other so we sit down but ashley will sit down on the other side of the table in order that we can visit for a while she will do that regardless of how many other Other persons around are staring at her, wanting her to get up and serve their table. (sighs) She will sit down and we will visit for a few moments. And she shared with us this week, uh, just in the past few days, she shared with us, she said, she said, you know, my brother, and she said, you know, he went to Afghanistan, he was deployed, and Sue immediately said, yeah, in December he was deployed, he went to Afghanistan. She said, "Right." He said, "She said, but he's not there anymore." And we said, "What?" And she said, "Yeah, he was injured. Uh, two months after having gotten to Afghanistan, two months after gotten there, he was injured uh, because this armed vehicle, upon which he was on the top, riding on the top of this armed vehicle, an explosion occurred nearby, knocked him off the vehicle." He flew through the air, landed on his wrist, and crushed both wrists. Um, they did not know how to deal with that medically over there, so they sent him back to Walter Reed, and he is in the process of recuperating after they had put in all kinds of pins and screws to hold things together. She said, I went to see him, um, and just to visit for a little bit, and she said, He's struggling. I said, Post traumatic stress? She said, I think so. She said, um, although there are some good things about the visit, she said he would just cry. I tell you, fear has claws. Jesus said, Center yourselves, know that I am. Do not be afraid. And most of the disciples were fine with that. In fact, they would have asked Jesus to get in the boat with them right away. That's what we do in our fear. Do you ever call out to God and say, Get in the boat with me and help me with my situation? Peter has this strange request. He says, What is nonsensical? He says, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Instead of asking Jesus to get into the boat, Peter says the opposite. Ask me to get out of the boat. And maybe Jesus is thinking, yeah, this is exactly what it is about. This is exactly what it's about. And when he says to Peter, come, and Peter steps over the side of that small vessel. He is able to take maybe one and a half strides before all of a sudden what was in his heart moves to his head again and the mechanics do not work out because the wind is still fierce and the water is threatening to overtake him and his eyes are not on Jesus' eyes anymore. Jesus reaches out his hand and simply grabs him. I don't think that he spoke with judgment when he said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I I don't think those were words of judgment. I think it was it was a word of love to Peter. He was saying, Why didn't you have faith? Just look at me. Why didn't you have faith? Why didn't you have faith? And so they got into the boat, which the rest of the disciples were very glad at because they had remembered that. Jesus the last time they had been in the boat together before the time that they were trying to make the escape from the crowd That the winds and the waves were so high and jesus was asleep in the boat You remember that story and how when finally they woke jesus jesus stood up and he said peace be still And everything was silenced and this was the same when jesus got in the boat The winds and the waves were calmed. And they did the appropriate thing. They dealt before Jesus in that boat. And they said, what was the greatest truth? Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I have a question for you today. Where is your tumult? Where is your tumult? Where is your chaos? Can you let Christ assure you in the midst of your trial? Do you know that He is here? Do you know that He cares? The disciples were always learning, as are we. Lord, teach us. We have so much more to know about who You are.